0: Well, hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Resurrection City Church. If it's uh, your first time uh, visiting us today, I do know we have uh, some visitors here today for our kickoff Sunday. I want to just say a, a, a special thank you for, for coming and visiting. It's really awesome to see you here uh, this morning and to have you uh, joining us and fellowshipping with us as we uh, kick the year off. And so so kind of how we view today is, is like a... Um, is like a day to get us re-excited about like why we exist as a church. Like summer comes, and especially for us in who live in Minnesota, you know, and we're just having beat down in the winter, summer is a chance for us to kind of uh, just like replenish ourselves of life and we, we get out a lot, we go do a lot of things, we travel a lot, but when the fall hits, um, we kind of want to uh, recalibrate ourselves or retune ourselves back to like the mission and vision of why we exist as a church. And so that's kind of what we're, 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 what we're doing today. We're going to retune ourselves kind of in the way that an instrument needs to be retuned um, periodically. We need to be retuned as a church back to our mission and vision and why it is that we, we exist. Like what is it that we're doing here um, as, a, as an organization, it's good for us to kind of reflect on that and remember that. And so that's what we're, what we're doing this Sunday morning. Now, we, we accomplish our mission in all sorts of ways. When Julie was up here a little bit earlier, she highlighted some different, uh, like a lot of actually, different opportunities and, and things that we do beyond Sunday mornings as a church that are all aimed at uh, fulfilling our mission and our vision as a church, like, trying to accomplish what it is that why we exist. We're intentional in what we do. And she talked about things like um, community groups where we just meet together. We, we study the word of God. We talk about it. We di- dig deep into it. We, we, we hear what's going on in each other's lives, and we pray for each other. Um, it seems simple, but it's actually really important that we're doing that on a regular basis. Um, we meet together at men's and women's events that Julie highlighted. We have other all-church events that we do periodically. Um, we we do things like called views and brews, which we're gonna be kicking off here again probably in the fall, where we just kind of g- engage and talk about like hard questions related to faith and doubt and, and and like how we how we think through problems or questions that people might have that to do with faith. Um, we, we've been talking a lot about, and we've been going through the Book of Daniel here for the last few weeks, and we will again after this, uh, after this Sunday. But we've been talking a lot about our work too, our vocations, what it is that we do um, from nine to five during the week, and how we think about what what that has to do with the gospel. And we're actually probably going to be kicking off some uh, something called vocational huddles here uh, at some point this year, where we actually want to get people together um, in, into a specific like uh, fields of work, right, and talk about. You know Our unique place of work, what does it look like to follow Jesus and live out the gospel well in this unique field? So so we have a lot of stuff that we're trying to do as a church. We're, we're trying to serve our city. We're trying to get involved here at the school uh, and, and, and bless the neighborhood and the city that we live in through all sorts of other opportunities. So just keep, a, keep an eye for those things coming up, right? All these things are accomplishing our mission and our vision. But one of the main ways that we accomplish our vision is just by gathering here every single Sunday where we are reminded and, and retuned as we go back out into the work week um, f- to the gospel. And today I want to talk a little bit about uh, that gospel and how it's a disruptive gospel. It's good to be retuned back to the disruptive nature of the gospel, I think, the, the, the aspects of it that can make us feel uncomfortable sometimes, um, because that is going to actually have a huge impact on us. If we don't have a, if we have a very comfortable gospel that we believe, it's going to play no impact in our lives, and we'll talk about what that looks like uh, this morning, but I really do just want to highlight the importance of like coming on a Sunday morning, that's why we're doing the kickoff here on a Sunday morning, even though Sundays can feel unextraordinary or, or unnecessary even sometimes, like there's a huge value to being here, and so we wanted to do our kickoff on a Sunday morning, all right? So let's, let's talk about, let's retune ourselves today to this disruptive gospel. To do that, I want us to, to we're going to spend some time in the book of Acts, in Acts 17 in particular. So if you have a Bible with you or you have an app on your phone that you want to use to access that, now's the time to pull that out. Um, Acts is right after the book of Luke. Um, it's after the four gospels, right at the beginning of the New Testament. So if you want to hop in and follow along, um, I will have like uh, a few verses up on the screen, to, the pertinent ones that we'll kind of um, we'll break down as we kind of walk through what's, what's happening with Paul here when he's in Athens, all right? So so go to Acts 17, and I want us to kind of walk through with Paul what he's seeing as he walks into this scene, all right? So just a little bit, a, a little um, uh, context here for Paul. Paul has, um, he shows up in Athens because he's actually on the run from some people in Berea, because Paul had this pattern of going to different cities, and he would preach his gospel, and um, a lot of people would respond positively, but he usually was like, disrupting things too, he was upsetting a lot of stuff, and he had upset some of the people in Berea, so he kind of takes off, and he's going to meet up with some of his friends um, in Athens, so he's kind of just chilling out um, and waiting for some of these missionary companions who who accompanied him on different uh, different trips that he went on to kind of catch up with him in Athens, so he's just hanging out here, And, and what we read in Acts 17, this is verse 16, is that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city... Of Athens was full of idols. All right, so let's talk about what what that means. What is it he's actually seeing here? Okay, when he walks into the city, and this would be true of a lot of ancient Near Eastern cities, but Athens in particular, this is particularly true, is that you would see idols everywhere. Now, an idol is um, you can be we can talk about idols in a lot of different definitions, but what what the what the text means here specifically is that Paul sees a lot of these wooden or stone statues that are images or representations of all these different gods and goddesses, and he sees them all around him, and it, and it, and it distresses him. Now, now we understand today, right, that these, uh, these things are, that's exactly what they are, is it's a stone or wood um, image of something, and that's all it is. Someone, you know, put it together, and it just, it just sits there, it represents something, there's nothing to that idol, right? Now, we're actually not the first people to observe that here, us smart, modern, Western people, right? Actually, if you look and in, in the, in the, go back in your Bible, there's a, lots of critiques of, of idol worship um, by the Israelites. If you could just go to, I'll just read it here, Habakkuk 2, 18 and 19, um, God is like critiquing. He's kind of he's um, calling out the idol worship of some of these other nations. And he says, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation, right? Um, He makes idols that can't speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It it is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. There's no life inside of this this wood or stone image. So how come you go to it expecting it to give you life? That's kind of the critique that God gives here. Now, um, Israel is unique in the ancient Near East, for being the only nation that doesn't have an idol dedicated to its God. In fact, um, in, when, when uh, a Greek emperor named Antiochus Epiphanes, he, he shows up, he takes over Israel. This is kind of in the intertestamental period after our Old Testaments are finished being written. He shows up, he walks into the very center of the temple, the place called the Holy of Holies, and he expects to find some idol to the Israelite God, and it's empty. There's nothing in there. And he can't believe it. And he actually calls the Israelites atheists. It's actually w- the word he uses to describe them. They must not have any gods. Well, how could you have a god if you didn't have some idol representing, uh, uh, representing it? Okay, so, so what Paul is, is seeing here is, is a, a world that is dominated or understood that the gods or all these idols kind of control all the different aspects of, of their life, Okay. Now, help us understand what it is that Paul is seeing because, like, it's not like p- he's walking into this, like, religious, cultural, f- you know, fair where, like, all these different religions are all kind of there offering, you know, and they're handing out pamphlets like, here, you know, have you heard about our, our Lord and Savior uh, Zeus or something like that? That's not what's going on, right? It, actually, it's very different. So, to help you kind of understand this, I want you to, to picture Times Square, okay? It's, it's a lot more like walking into Times Square than it is to that, like, you know, that fair I was talking about earlier, okay? Because each, uh, you know, when we walk into to Times Square, we're flooded with advertisements, all promising to offer us, like, life or wellness or happiness in some area of our life, right? Buy this product, and it will make you look good, right? It will get rid of your acne, and then your self-esteem problems will be fixed, Right? Or, or, or walk, you know, buy this product and it will make you healthy. It will look you, make you look like the bodybuilder who is, who is in the commercial for this thing. Right? If you just eat this powder after you're done lifting or something like that. Just give it, give it a few weeks. Right? Uh, or, or whatever. This product will help make your business successful or it will help you get great experiences or whatever. You're going to be happy and you're going to be healthy and, and full if you buy this product. Kay? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to really take over and help especially this one area of your life. So the, the gods that Paul walks into, the idols that he sees when he walks to, are actually similar, more similar to that. Because you had all these different gods and goddesses that controlled different aspects of people's lives. So you had a god of health, Asclepius was his name. And if you wanted to be healthy, you need to make sacrifices to him. Um, there was a g- goddess of sex, Aphrodite. Okay, so if you wanted to be a sexually fulfilled person, Aphrodite is the one that you went to for that. Um, there are gods of partying and having a good time. Dionysus is, is the name of this god. Okay, so if you wanted to be someone who's who's having a good time, Dionysus is the one that you offer a sacrifice to, right? Gods of wealth. If you wanted to be a wealthy person, Plutus was, was your man, or your god to go to. If you and there's a, there's even a goddess of the earth, right? If you want to have harmony with the earth and and benefit the earth, Gaia was the one that you went to, right? And and on and on and on. There are many many gods and goddesses. All with kind of their own unique thing, right? So, so when Paul walks into Athens, he's, he's seeing all of these idols, all these temples, all these priests and priestesses that are offering life or health or, or wellness in a certain area, okay? So, and this is, this is actually more, this is what religion was in the ancient world. Like we, we look at religion as very different today, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but for them, religion was, was relating to the different gods to manage a certain area of your life. It was just assumed the gods exist, and they controlled things, and they were fickle, so you wanted to stay on their good side, because if you didn't, they might make your life miserable, so you're trying your best to appease all these different gods and goddesses, okay? And actually, the word uh, religio, which is where we get our word religion from in Latin, it just means scrupulous, all right? So if you were a very religious person, Um, Which is what Paul says in Acts 17. Even though he's using the Greek version of this word, when when if you were a very religious person, what that meant is you just were very scrupulous. You were just you paid attention to detail. You were very diligent. You were very concerned not to do wrong on behalf of all the different areas of your life, you know, having a right relation with the different gods and goddesses. So, so Paul observes, you are all very religious, which means you, you seem like you really care about being on the right side of these gods and goddesses, of making sure that you are, you're healthy and wealthy and, and happy in all these different ways. And while our world is is obviously very unlike Paul's in many ways, I think this is a way in which our world actually has some crossover, some similarity to what Paul observes when he walks in uh, to Athens, right? Because we also like, like to categorize everything or box everything up right? I, I remember in college, in our wellness center, when you walked in, there were all these banners that were up, like, that would had all these dimensions of wellness, right? And, and these are some of them, I just kind of, th- this is not an exhaustive list, I just kind of threw some things randomly on here, but like, you want to make sure you find emotional wellness, or physical wellness, social wellness, sexual wellness, financial wellness, all these different types of wellnesses we assume exist, and we box them up, and we kind of categorize them, treat them a little bit differently, but just want to make sure we're being diligent to find wellness. And, th- and, and finding wellness in all these different areas of our life, and some of us might have different boxes than others, some of us might have a bigger grid than the one I put up here, just don't focus too much on the grid, but um, that's what's going to give us life, all right? And so what we do, and this is, this is different from what Paul did, is we actually have our own box like our spiritual box, right? We have spiritual wellness. That's actually one of the ones you'll find in those dimensions of wellness is spiritual wellness, okay? In this small category of your life, you want to make sure you have some wellness. And actually, it's kind of interesting, in, in, the, in, the, in Acts 17 as well, Paul gets a chance to address the Athenians a little bit later on, which we'll talk about. I won't actually talk about this first, but he says, you're so, you're so scrupulous, you're so religious, that you, you want to make sure you have all your bases covered. And there's even a, an idol dedicated to an unknown god, Right, just in case, right? You see, you're really concerned with with making sure you're very scrupulous and religious. So you set up this idol to a god that you don't even know if it exists, but just in case, you want to make sure you appease that god, right? And I think for a lot of people, their spiritual box is like that, right? I want to make sure that that I'm I got all my bases covered, and so I will make sure my spiritual box is filled with something, right? And I hope that that covers my bases, just in case that is a box that actually kind of matters, right? I think that's how how we 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 view religion. A lot of people in our culture view religion and Christianity is just is just something that fills up that spiritual box right and so and so it's kind of a private hobby like that's kind of how a lot of us view it it's something we do on Sundays maybe a little bit more often during the week we maybe spend some time reading because it gives us some encouragement or happiness or whatever right but it's kind of just to fulfill the spiritual box it doesn't really have any crossover with any of the other boxes right and, and sometimes what happens and this is this is a little bit maybe you know I, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here is sometimes like we, 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 um, we, we start to ask ourselves, I think we do this especially in the West, like do I even really need this box, right? It seems like everything seems to be going pretty well my other boxes and how important is this spiritual box even, right? Is it actually helping me out that much? And so a lot of people are just kind of content to leave it a little bit empty or maybe occasionally fill it up once a year at Christmas or Easter or something like that. Um, and 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 maybe get to a point where it's like I just don't need this box, right? I don't need it, so I'm just going to kind of leave it empty for now, and and that's fine. And I think a lot of people are there in our in our society today, and it totally makes sense, right? If this is the way that the world is, I totally get that. But Paul is is is, is saying something very different, very very much more disruptive than this. All right, um, so so that's some crossover that we have with with Paul. We we too are very religious, all right. We we may not go to a goddess uh, of health, or a god of health, I mean, Asclepius, but we are really concerned to make sure we're very diligent and healthy, right? We, we got to appease whatever god of, of health we have by eating perfectly and working out every day or whatever, right? We're, we know a lot of us are very are very concerned about that in this culture, right? We want to have wellness with the goddess of wisdom, right? We want to make sure we, we have good education. And, and please, also, don't hear me saying any hey, of this is bad either, okay? I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, this is how we think about it. We want to have, got to be up on all the latest think pieces or whatever, right, to, to appease our god or goddess of wisdom, or we want to have a, a, environmental wellness, right, by appeasing the goddess of the earth, Gaia. Just make sure that that box is filled up. Um, wellness with the goddess of love, Aphrodite. We want to have sexual wellness. This is actually, you know... Probably a, this box is a little bit bigger for a lot of people than the rest of the boxes around it. In this, in our, just in the way we think about the the role of sex in our lives in this cu- culture, right? We we really are concerned to have wellness in that box, right? Uh, wellness with the god of living your best life now, Dionysus, right? Partying, having a good time, making sure you're you're happy, right? We care a lot about this stuff, so we too are very religious, just like the people that Paul is showing up to, and 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 and. and uh, rubbing shoulders with an Athens all right so I think it's good for us to reflect on that now first off this is an observation how exhausting is it to like keep track of trying to find wellness in all these areas I imagine how hard it would be to, to remember like did I get out and get a, a sacrifice to Asclepius this week or was it to Dionysus right it's just exhausting to keep on on top of all that stuff Right, and it is for us too to f- to find wellness, to be truly happy and, and healthy in all these different areas. It can be a really exhausting thing. It can put a lot of strain, a lot of pressure on us. Uh, it can I can I imagine leads to a lot of imp- uh, depression or anxiety for a lot of people. All right. And second off, let's just ask the question: Does going to these boxes to so trying to find wellness or hel- healthiness um, or health in all these boxes, does that really bring life? Is that really the way to find life? right? You know, we should call the system in the check here, because Paul's response is, is not to preach a gospel that just fills up one box of many. It's to preach a gospel that, that actually brings life and, and, and shatters all these boxes. That's, that's what he's doing, okay? His gospel is disruptive. So when he gets a chance to talk to the Athenians he gets to go and eventually reasons with them in the marketplace, and then he goes to this place called the Areopagus, where he gets to have a chance to kind of engage with, with some of the leaders of Athens, actually, and in fact, it might have been a trial, we're not entirely sure, um, but, but he gets to go kind of reason with the people here, and this is what he says, all right? This is what he talks about his gospel that's disruptive of the Greek society, and it is also disruptive of ours. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. That's uh, Acts 17 verses 24 to 25. So, so Paul says, he does not live inside of temples, right? He doesn't live inside of anything that we as humans have constructed, Okay, so if God doesn't live inside of a temple, right, and he can't be contained to some wooden or, or, or uh, stone idol, he's not going to hang out in one of our boxes, right? He's not going to hang out in something that we've constructed to kind of hold him in, right? He's going to break through that, right? Because he's the one who created all these areas of our life, right? If, if, if you need social health, right, that's because we've been created that way, we've been created as people who, who need to have health and community with one another, right, that's how God's created us, so instead of boxing him off from, from that part of our life, why would we not invite him to be a part of that, right, or, or is, is sex satisfying, right, Yes, it is, right? That's why we like it so much in our society. But maybe God built us that way, right? And so, so if that's true, maybe it makes sense for us to be relating to him in these different areas of our life instead of boxing him off, instead of putting him inside of, of something, some small box that holds him off and kind of keeps him at arm's length um, from these other aspects of our life. That's actually a category mistake. That's what Paul's saying here, okay? He is the one who gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Okay, all these boxes, all these areas of our life that we want to find health in, God's the one that created them. So we want to relate to him in order to find that life. That's what Paul's saying here. He continues on. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. He commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead, okay? So instead of treating God like we would any other area of our life, right? Instead of treating spiritual wellness or whatever you want to call it, like any one of these other boxes, right? We we can't do that. That's a category mistake, Paul says. We can't treat him like some other idol or some other god or goddess. He's, He's wholly different. He's completely separate from them. And so what he does is is he commands us uh, to to repent of of the different things, of of us trying to find life from these these man-made things that we've put together, right? Um, Remember earlier we said that that this uh, Jewish critique of idols, right, that we talked about from Habakkuk, where where God says, like, this thing is made of stone. Why are you giving it so much authority in your life? You created it, you dummies, right? Right. we, we do that all the time, right? We, we, we try to use our own wisdom to solve problems, and we think we've got it fixed, but we end up, and, and we usually fix the problem, but we usually create more problems down the road. All right, just, just think about like, we've learned to create cheap, mass-produced, tasty food, right, but we've realized that a lot of this food is actually killing us, or giving us cancer, or, you know, shortening our lives, right? So we fix one problem, and we create another. We, we harnessed oil and gas and, and turned it into the Industrial Revolution, and it was an amazing thing. And then we found out about 100 years later that we were destroying our environment by doing all that. right? Um, we, we try to solve things in government. We think government can be the answer. And then we just turn on CNN or wherever you get your news, and you're like, Turn the TV off now, right? Like, clearly nothing's being fixed in, in government, but we keep, we keep pouring money and, and time and effort into it, expecting it to fix our problems, right? Because, because we, f- we think that this is the way to do it, right? When we, when we wh- by calling us to repent, Paul is calling us to recognize that we're not gonna find the life that we hope to find by just filling all these boxes or relating to these gods and goddesses that we have set up in our own society. Paul is saying that th- the whole thing can't offer us life. And so what God is gonna do or what he has done in his son Jesus, he says, is that He has um, he's, gonna, he's done something about these bootlegged pretenders that are offering to give life. He's judged them on the cross. He's brought about justice in his son Jesus and shown them that they can't offer the same life as Jesus. And the way that he's proven that he can bring life and none of these other things can bring life is by raising his son from the dead. That's what Paul is saying here, right? By You want, you want new life? You want, you want true life? This guy came back from the dead, okay? If, he, if I can give him new life, I can give you new life too. In the present now, as we follow Jesus and live like him, and in the future someday when we will be raised just like just like Christ. And then this is why we're called Resurrection City by the way, in case you're wondering. Cuz I love that idea. I love it and I wanted it in the name of the church. All right? So, so instead of sticking this Jesus inside of one of our boxes, right? He is the one who presides over all of them. He's the king and sustainer of all these aspects of our lives that we are looking to find happiness and wealth and satisfaction in. And Jesus is the one who is the lord over all of them. This gospel has been bringing newness of life and renewal for people for the last 2000 years ever since Christ raised from the dead and kicked off the movement that is the church that we are are living in right now by gathering in this room we are products of of Jesus rising from the dead and people believing it and organizing themselves into communities of people who worshiped and followed this Jesus we are the we are the product of that and and despite the you know all of this clickbait that's been saying for you know for the last whatever 500 years or so that that Christianity is this close to dying, right? We're just about to move on from this from this old, you know, messed up religion. It's stronger than ever, right? If we get outside of our bubble in the west here, we see Christianity is blowing up all across the world, right? And, and, so, and Christ has continued to stay out of that tomb. Just like our boxes, that tomb would not hold Jesus, okay? And so when we want to find life, instead of turning to, to our own boxes, our own gods and goddesses we've made in our own image, our likeness that we've built and expecting them to find life, we look to Christ. And that's, our, that's what we do as a church, all right? And so this is like our big idea. This is where we're landing the plane now. This is the thing I want us to be tuned back to um, as a church as we kind of kick off the fall and, and, and move forward in our mission and vision is that Jesus offers better life than the worship of anything else. This is why we exist as a church, Okay. And this is why we start to see why the gospel of Jesus is so disruptive, because it blows up the existing order of things, right? It, it turns it on its head. It's disruptive. Just like, you know, new life is disruptive. Ask, ask anyone who's ever had a baby. Right? At least I can imagine. I've not had a baby of my own. But like, right, new life coming is disruptive. It changes things, right, for the better. A joyful reorienting around this new life that's been birthed, okay? The same is true for us. We find new life in Christ, new life in this gospel that Paul preaches that, that disrupts everything, right? And we joyfully reorient, reorient ourselves around that, okay? And so that's what we do. That's what we do as a church. Now, some of you may know this Jesus, right, or have known him in the past, but you need to be reintroduced. Um, some, of, some people in this room maybe have never met him, right? Or maybe some of us just need to be retuned, right? Whatever it is if you seek Jesus out, I promise you, because this has been, again, been happening for the last 2,000 years, you will find him. Now, now, it may not be the way that you expect, and I think this is where, where we get thrown off sometimes, as we, we, we seek Jesus out, and we expect him to come to us in this one way, and he doesn't come to us, right? Usually, he'll show up in a way we do not expect, right? It might be shockingly disruptive, right? You know, surprise, surprise, this disruptive gospel might come to us in a way that's disruptive or that we don't expect, right? Now, God may show up. He, Jesus may show up to you by splitting the sea in total victory like he did for Moses and the Israelites. That may happen. Um, um, he may show up to us in a still, small voice like he does to Samuel. But he might show up to us in barrenness like he does for Hannah. And he might show, us, show up to us in, cr- in the midst of our crushing suffering like in Ruth and Naomi, we just did a series on the book of Ruth earlier this summer, or, or Job. There are plenty of examples of God showing up to people in the scriptures in all sorts of different ways, and he will show up to us in those ways and, and in still more ways beyond that. So don't be uh, surprised if this Jesus doesn't show up to you in the way that you expect, whichever one of those three people you are that I just talked about, but he will meet you, and he will certainly meet you as Jesus crucified and risen Unable and unwilling to be held by uh, boxes or tombs or anything else we might try to stick them in. Okay? And so, as we wrap it up, this is why we exist as a church. To experience this newness of life together. We want to live it out in community. We want to uh, weep together and laugh together. Right? As we, we all follow Jesus together in, in our unique ways, in different ways. It might look different from person to person. We wanna, but we want to do that together. Um, and, and we want to try and preach this disruptive gospel and live it out in the midst of our city, right? That's, that's, that's what we're doing, and that's what we're kicking off today as a church, all right? So thank you for being here for that.